understand that God can use you better alive than dead. Because mm. how many times yes. in Scripture did He use dead folks? Mm. Come on, a few times mm-hmm. He did. But more times for that. But more times than not, you're you're more valuable to God, to your family, and to others alive word, than you right? are dead. Welcome to another episode of the Pass the Baton podcast. Passing on what's been passed to us, a podcast about life, ministry, and everything in between. Guys, I am so excited uh, about this episode. I say that about every episode, but this episode, we are we have fantastic panelists. We're going to be talking about a subject that is often a stigma topic that not a lot of people are comfortable talking about because we're going to be talking about mental health mental health with the church and just why is that we just can't we can't talk about it so uh before we get into it i just want to introduce some of our guest panelists we got uh, my brother damaris and we have we're going to welcome back brian who was with us for another uh, previous episode and i'm just going to let them talk a little bit about themselves introduce yourselves to our audience yeah, my name is Demaris Miller. I am the worship pastor at the Riverside Chapel in Nashville. I've been serving with them for about three years. I was a young adult, and then they said, you're not a young adult anymore. I kept on pushing the age back, because I'm 40. I'm like, it's still young adult. They're like, no. And so they kind of kicked me out of there. And so now I'm over worship, man, with our new pastor there, Dr. Gordon Jones. And so excited to be a part of this podcast. Thank you guys for having me, being a part of it. Anytime I can sit next to Brian, man, I feel like I'm in the right Stop place, man. I feel like I'm in the right place. It's so uh, pleasure to be here. Stop it, man. I'm just trying to get a little old from your shirt and everything. <laughs> I'm just trying to get some of that Don't anointing that. that you got, that Don't drip, that no, drip that you got. It's called man. starch. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, just Pastor Herbert, uh, Pastor Franklin and Columbia uh, Churches, uh, South Central Conference, also the Associate Youth Director, and I'm just happy to be in the building with uh, Tom and John and Damaris once again. Man, we just ain't seen my brother in a long time, man, because of COVID, but yeah. I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, we're really glad to have everybody here, guys. You know, let's get into it. Mental health. I mean, we we hear a lot of talk about it, but I often wonder how often we talk about it in church or in our circles of faith. And I'll just put it out there. Why don't we why don't we talk more about mental health? Why don't we talk about depression or anxiety and all these other things? Why is it that this is an uncomfortable conversation? Well, I started off, man. Unfortunately, the church is late in a lot of things. Right now, the world is talking about mental health more than ever. You see Mental Health Awareness Month, which was last month, May. You hear different um, podcasts, uh, TV shows. I think my wife watches This Is Us, and I feel like I just have a <laughs> mental I'll health awareness that. every, yeah. Time, yeah. every yeah. time I watch that. Yeah. You know, um, in our schools, we're talking about it. Um, um, I work for United Way as well. We're talking about it. The world is honing in on it, and sometimes it seems as if the church is just a couple steps behind. I, I feel hopeful that we will catch on because it is such a... Uh, a necessary topic that we all need to deal with. I feel like one of my brothers, um, a guy named Pastor Myron Edmonds, has been pushing it for men too as well. You know, as yeah. men, that's another thing. We don't, we ain't taught to talk. You know yeah. what I'm saying? What are you talking for? Why are you whining? You know, mm-hmm. so that that was a part of our, most, most young men's upbringing, you know, where they weren't, um, 
weren't, they weren't told to express themselves. And so that's half of the issue with mental health. And so I think, um, unfortunately, church is always a couple steps behind. And, you know, I'm always positive and pro-church. I think they're just cautious of jumping into things. I know. That's the, I know. Well, I mean, I, you know, you, 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 you all on their toes anyway. So, I mean, you can't pull back once you already started stepping on You're already on it. But I, I think we have, like John said, there's a certain stigma. It's taboo to talk about mental health because we're supposed to know the truth. We're supposed to have the answers. So I'll just take it to God in prayer. Mm. But the reality is if we, if we're understanding this, um, if let me ask you this question, name one person in the Bible who didn't have mental health issues. One, one person in the Bible uh, that God used who didn't have mental health issues. There is none. Because all of them struggle. Because when we start talking about mental health, uh, the first thing, and I had to ask someone this, and they said, what's the difference between mental health issues and mental illness? Mm. And mental, they were saying mental illness is a, uh, is a diagnosis mm. when you have actually have been diagnosed with mental health issues. Get schizophrenia, PTSD, certain stuff. But mental health issues is just things that you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. It's undiagnosed. You, yeah. you could be depression or, you know, anxiety or something. It's just what is going on, things that you're going on, that's going on in your mind. So when we're talking about mental health issues, we all have mental health issues because we're all struggling with something. Right. And if the church would understand that, why don't we, we talk about this? Because they don't know how to deal with their own mental health issues. Mm. <laughs> if you're not an expert in it. Yeah. And if you haven't overcome what you're struggling with, yeah. how are you going to help someone else? Yeah. So it's, it's taboo, one, because we're not supposed to be that. We're supposed to be strong. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be weak, even though the Bible tells us that, you know, we're, we're made strong in our weakness. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And then we don't talk about it because we haven't overcome and know how to deal with it ourselves. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I think that it's safe to say that mental mental um, struggles, however you want to put it, mental illness or uh, mental issues, is more common and pre- prevalent not just in society but even in the church. Um, so we're we're all about being real on this podcast, guys. So um, just raise your hands amongst us. So how many of us have struggled with depression or anxiety? All of us here around the table. We're pastors. You know what I mean? We're pastors. Um, is anyone is anyone comfortable sharing? You know their their journey or their experience. But, and and that's what and and that's where I know you said we're pastors, but people that's part of the problem. Pastors yeah. feel like they can't be vulnerable or talk about their issues yeah. or their struggles. Yeah. I know you said earlier, Tom, that there you know you you had said that um, that one of your members said don't talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the same as what you're talking about. It says, hey, boys, you can't express yourself. You can't be emotional. That's the problem. Yeah, and I've gotten that not only from from members and church members, but I've gotten that from fellow colleagues. Oh, for sure. Pastors. I've even gotten that from one of my mentors. So they don't don't share your your struggles with the church members. They're going to think less of you. And when I have, like I've been been fairly transparent over the past couple of years because I have been – in my own mental health struggles, and, and again, if we're going to be completely real here, I mean, I was diagnosed as chronically, severely clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was hospitalized in a ward, um, and it's one of those, you know, 
and it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they take away you know your belts, your shoelaces, they take away all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, and when I opened up about some of my struggles with somebody else, I was basically sitting there and said, told to pull up myself by my bootstraps, yeah. which yeah. is the mentality. And, then, and this yeah. is being told by, by, by people in the church yeah. that are supposed to, you know, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, a safe place in church. It's not a safe place because when I did open up as the pastor, yeah. I was shut down immediately and said it's not a big issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. fortunately enough, within our conference, you know, we're, you know, John and I are part of the Kentucky Tennessee Conference. And I went to my ministerial director who, for those that aren't familiar with the church structure, the ministerial director is basically like our pastor. He's the pastor's pastors. And I told him about the struggles with this. And he, he went and took it to the leadership and the conference actually recommended for me to get counseling and paid, pay for it. And so they were, they took care of my, my counseling. And then I, I wanted to get this t-shirt and I haven't got it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's on your merch line. And, you know, it's like, it's like, I need Jesus and a therapist too. Yeah. And so, because it was, and it didn't, I, I like saw, that. and I saw, and I, cause I, was, I saw a, a, a therapist for, for two years on a regular. And when I first started seeing him, I saw him twice a week, every week after getting out of the hospital. Yeah. And uh, it's, even afterwards, I felt ashamed because what, you know, even in the, even in the car rides to the hospital, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, where did I get disconnected from you, God? Why am I, why is my spiritual life not strong enough to fight over this? Like even in the midst of this crippling depression, I'm questioning the validity of my own depression because the society in which we have been in has, has taught us that you're not spiritual if you're depressed. Mm, wow. Come on. Mm. Preach now. And it, 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 it's. Yeah. It's, it's tough, you man. It's really tough when you're constantly fighting within yourself mm. and trying to even validate yourself before God. Yeah. And yeah. how can a God love me? Come on. How can a God die for me? And how can I preach that to other people when I myself am not worthy to preach Mercy. that gospel? How can I reach somebody else? And then the people I'm trying to minister to are telling me that I'm not worthy because I'm not spiritual enough because I don't. And so it's like, it's compounding. So the reason why we don't talk about it is because it compounds upon an issue that's already, it's it's like having a festering boil and pouring poison into that festering boil. It's already needs to heal and it's not healing on its own. It's, it's such a struggle when you're already fighting that within your own mind and then you're being told that, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, 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 it's crazy. And you know, there were so many things that you said within that, just you trying to figure it out yourself. And one of the things that, and I, I said it in the previous, is identity. Mm-hmm. You needed to know those things. And I did a, uh, a week of, weekend of prayer at, uh, what's the school, Highland Academy. Mm-hmm. And one of my topics was the Lord just revealed it to me. And because we know that he loves us and all this, but within that, he always called us beloved. Mm. John said this beloved. And when he said, when Jesus was baptized, God said, this is my beloved son. Mm -hmm. So when you go back and you read in the New Testament, he talks about beloved. Mm -hmm. It is the same type of love, beloved that he is showing his son that he also shows to us. Mm-hmm. And when we understand that he's showing the same type of love to us that he's also showing to his son, it gives us a sense of identity. 
Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Myron. Myron, I've been part of that group, the winning, uh, the winning circle. Um, he talked about that moment with Jesus that he accepted him before Jesus had done anything. Mm-hmm. He had not done one work yet. Yeah. And he just got baptized, not perform one miracle, not preach one sermon. And God said, this is my son, mm-hmm. my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. So when we start talking about this, it goes back to what we were saying in the early podcast about a safe space. Mm-hmm. We gotta have, if we we don't have those people that we can confide in and talk to and and go help us on this, so we keep it in ourselves and it gets bad. Yeah. And for me, this is this is where it came. Let me bring it home to me. I was always a source for people to come talk to. I would always call yeah. myself yeah. a. Yeah. I would call myself a black hole because mm-hmm. whatever you told me was not coming back out. Mm-hmm. And what happened, all of that stuff just started compounding and building up on me. And it just was just wearing me out. And I just got drained. Mm. It was for my kids that I was mentoring. They were telling me about all their issues, all their problems. I got my own stuff. I got my family. I got my two churches and all of this. And then you had the pandemic. Then you had then they had uh, George Floyd. And then one of my students that I work with died last year, June, July 23rd, died. And I took it so hard because I had just texted her like, you know, three or four weeks before. And I was like, text me next time you go to a uh, AU game. I'm going to come out there and support you. And when I got that, and it was just it just broke me. And when I saw the rest of her classmates, kids that I've worked with, it just it just took me out. And I said, I need a break. And I needed a. I needed a break from the church. I needed a break from everything just so I could just reconnect with God because my mind was not there. I could not. And I told my church family, I didn't care. And it was, it got to the point. I said, I'm struggling. And I told them in a sermon, you can go back and watch before I stop. I stopped preaching. I told them, I said, look, I'm done. Mm. And I told them, y'all expect the pastor doing everything, but when is the last time y'all checked in on me? Yeah. I said that in a sermon. Yeah. Wow. They lucky they went in in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was just virtual. <laughs> but I said, when the last time you check on me? Yeah. When the last yeah. time someone not asked yeah. me questions about the church? Yeah. When is someone that said, how are you doing? Yeah. And when we don't do that to our, our, our pastorals or the shepherds of the flock, mm. we don't feel accepted. So we have to keep stay connected to the source that are going to help in that. And what I had to do from that point, I went on a sabbatical. I stopped preaching. I didn't. My last sermon I preached was from June. And then I preached last time. Then I preached back in February. I didn't preach. Even though I was off my sabbatical, I said, I'm not preaching. I just needed to just disconnect from that. Yeah. And then I started seeing the therapist. And the therapist has been so great because he has helped me process a lot of my decision making to process a, a lot of things which are important to me and sometimes you just need that safe space yeah. that you can go in there and you say this person not going to tell my business mm-hmm. that, but they can give me some sound advice yeah. and you know for me I had to and I'm just I'm going to go there I had to find someone that looked like me also sure. mm-hmm. I had to find a black male who could understand black male problems mm-hmm. uh, and, and talk about that because there is there is a difference 
and he knows how to speak to me mm-hmm. and within those and can understand that some of the issues that we go through as black males. Mm-hmm. But I encourage any pastor, any spiritual leader that needs a break, take a break. One of my members said this. I'm going to shut up after this. <laughs> in Mississippi, I went on. I, I was young and, 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 you know, full of the spirit, mm. whatever that means back then. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to please the conference. Let me say it that way. And I was killing myself. Mm. I was killing myself. I had three churches. I was doing double services every week. And my, my, one of my members, I was like, I felt like I had an obligation to be at the church. I felt like if I was not there, the church was not going to operate. So I was doing everything. And I, I literally passed out in the, we had the evangelistic series. I had three churches. I did evangelistic series, one in September, one at the beginning of uh, October, and then one at the end of October. And by that third one, I passed out. I was doing, I was doing door to door. I was doing Bible studies. I was doing the preach. I, I was doing all this stuff. And I said, I got to stop. And my, my elder, one of my uh, my church treasurer in Fayette, she was like, Pastor, you need to take a break. I said, I feel like I do this. And I was Pastor. I said, look, we were fine before you got here. We'll be fine after you. Uh, and that's why I encourage any, any yeah. pastoral leader, your church will be fine with or without you. Because here's the reality is if you die, they're going to be looking to replace you just like that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's really interesting that and it's a blessing to have that member that says that, because in my experience, when I've worked and worked the 70, 80, 90 hour weeks, especially during evangelism or whatever the case may be, I was praised for being a good pastor when I was doing that work. Never once was I, you're doing too much. Hmm. You need to slow down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's always the more that, man, did you... you we got a great pastor. He's doing this, 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 and this. And, and, and then the head starts to blow up. For sure. For sure. Right? And of course, you know, if you've ever taken, if you've ever, you know, you got kids, you've ever sit there taking a balloon, you blow it up and you keep blowing it up. There's only so much before it explodes yeah. Yeah. and it's come detrimental to the balloon. I mean, it, yeah. it can't yeah. be saved. Yeah. And so that was always been like that, 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 that desire for validation, yeah. that yeah. desire for love. That desire for acceptance, yeah. mm-hmm. not only from God, but from, you know, from people. And I know it's like in, in the cliche thing, it's like, well, you, you work for the Lord. You're not working for people. Well, we're, we, we are. We are working for people in multiple different ways. We, you know, we're all employed by a conference. So we, we, we work for the people. You know, we're working for people because we're doing it for other people. And we're working to win people for God's kingdom. And so there is this aspect that that human nature inside of me that, you know, I need validation. I, I want validation. Yeah. And, yeah. but oftentimes when I get validated, I'm almost always validated when I'm doing something that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. Come on. Interesting. You said that I, I'm in my second month, month and a half of therapy. I'm 40. Um, and I was at a point like you explained with the example of the balloon of just imploding from the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw my wife not happy, I was not happy, and I was chasing validation. And um, for me, I think what was kind of, like my therapist brought me back to the three-year-old's me. And I don't know if your therapist do the same thing, but this guy was like, who are you at three years old, man? And I've been chasing for validation my whole life. And he said, why? And he's helping me realize because I've never thought that I was good enough. 
Yeah. And so based off of your appreciation, your affirmation, mm-hmm. your validation to me, that's what fed me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so from how I dress, the car I drive, everything I did was just to get validated. Uh-huh. And he said, when will you feel that you're enough? Now, I went to a black, I went, I looked, I said, black therapist. I need a black dude, but I didn't want no Christian because I know the text. I know the verses. Oh, well, they ain't mine's not either. Yeah, so. I, I wanted somebody that I, I can cuss and I'll be all right. I needed that freedom, that safe space. And uh, one of the things, he, he, he stays away from biblical verses, but he, he said one thing. He said, um, you know, the good book, uh, he, uh, he says, says that you're made in his image. So wouldn't you as a Christian feel that you're enough? Mm. Mm. I, but I, you, we know these things, mm-hmm. but it's not enough. And, well, I, and, I, and I think that even goes back to why God said we needed Eve. Mm. Yeah. We, we know it. I'll speak for me. I didn't know it. I heard it. Well, that's what I'm saying. When yeah. I say we, we, yeah, we heard I, it. I didn't yeah. believe it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so not until maybe the last month am I operating, and it depends on the day, as if I'm enough. Yeah. Without preaching, without serving, without serving community, without mm-hmm. washing the dishes for my wife, mm-hmm. I am enough. That'll get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will. It will. But, but yeah. where I'm at right now, yeah. when I was doing it and I wasn't getting, I was getting yeah. validated and still wasn't enough. Right? Yeah. yeah. He said, because no matter if they tell you, you won't believe it, you have yeah. to believe it about yourself. Yeah. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow when we as pastors, we serve and serve and serve. We look for the amen. Nothing worse than preaching a sermon and no one says amen. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's worse than preaching a sermon and this person doesn't say hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. that, what, what are we here for? What yeah. am I? What am yeah. I good for yeah. if yeah. I'm not getting a response that validates everything I'm trying to do and pour in? Mm-hmm. That's man. That validation is, is it can be a drug, man. For sure, it, it can be. Yeah. It can be, and you know, and that was mine when I said I was doing stuff for the conference. Man, when my first three years, I was just like, man, I, I need to get these baptisms. I need to get this tithe up. You know, not because I, want, I wanted to make sure I wanted to move on up. I wanted to get the oil. I want to get uh, ordained and all of that. Then I hit that. And I was just like, no, I got it. Like, why am I really doing this? I didn't have no peace. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't sleep. I was I was drained. I was tired. I'm just like, man, this is not it. So like you saying of recently. Yeah, I've, I've had to pull back the therapist. He's helped me out and to show me what really matters. Yeah, yeah. And what truly matters, one, is those who really matter. My wife and my kids. Uh-huh. I've really had to take that standpoint because what I had done before was put the church before my family. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I've had to swap that. Yeah. So I, I had to swap that because I was just like, I don't care about this church to lose my family. Because if I go to heaven, my family coming with me. Okay. So I got to make sure I do everything that I can possible. And that's a biblical sure. principle too. I mean, yeah. you can't, they said you can't be an elder in the church leader in church if you can't manage your family. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, within our, of course, within our cultural context, within, within our church's context, you know, you know, we see this even in the early writings of the, of the church founders that mm-hmm. the importance of leading your family and being that strong person within your family. And if, how can you be the strong person in your family if you're falling apart? 
Yeah. Because you're not getting well, that. Well, that's 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 where I was going to next because I even feel I, I've changed my whole my whole thing is God, me, family, church. Because uh-huh. if I'm no good, I can't help family or church. Uh-huh. If mentally, if I'm not stable, I can't help family or church. If I'm not where I need to be spiritually, I can't help family or church. And so it's a paradigm shift for me now where I'm at, where I'm just like, Demaris, what must you do? Do you know, what do you have to do? Because, for, you know, we, 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 we master the, the, the art of fronting like we got it together. <laughs> we master the art of, of, of spiritual leadership in front of folks, but behind closed doors. You know, you're, that's what we see all the time. Like, dude, I didn't know you were struggling with that. Like, dang, that's crazy. That's because he didn't take care of himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so the church front looks good. Even the family front. Because some of the families are shattered because they're like, dad, we didn't even know yeah. dad was struggling with that. Because we have to, there's that we still have to mask, especially as pastors. So, you know, for, and, and what you're talking about doing is putting yourself first. You're taking the steps. My steps was, hey, I needed some battle. For sure. I needed to yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah. I, that, was, yeah. that was saying I got to yeah. focus on me yeah. because I realized I can't take my family to a place that I can't even go to right now. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're not there spiritually, we're not there mentally, everything else is going to be, be a wrap. Yeah. Because... You know, even when I was this year, I was working with the, the kids at the high school. I would come home because I'm still pastoring, still working with these kids and still, you know, hearing all of these issues. I would literally come home D, from working with these kids at this school and I would fall asleep for about an hour, hour and a half. Got home from work. You know who got mad and who was suffering? Kids. My wife and kids. My wife was like, you, you, I need some help around here. I'm like, babe, I'm tired. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. That's when I was like, I was going to my therapist and I told him, I said, look, I got, and I gave, he said, what do you got on your plate? And we sat down and I wrote, I had like 14 things that I was, had my hands in. Yeah. And that's when I said, God, I need to get some of this off. Yeah. Because I was killing myself, making my family unhappy, depriving my kids because I was trying to do all of these things yeah. and I didn't do it. I, I, and it was hurting everybody. Yeah. So, I, man, I commend you. I commend you, you too. Yeah. And if you're getting it also, man, continue to go to therapy, man, yeah. because mm-hmm. that's what we need. I say, look, if the conference is going to pay for it, then I need to check with uh, my, uh, my <laughs> yeah. I need to check with my ministerial director. I want you to hear that. Uh, <laughs> you need to make, make sure they cover my bill also. Uh, I need to check on that. So, yeah. but, I, I commend anybody doing that because it is a big step and it has helped me to process and to deal with my triggers as well. It takes it takes a lot of courage, especially since we're going against uh, not just church culture, uh, our our culture culture, um, and even our own mindsets and how we view God to take that step. I was wondering for those that are listening or watching this. Uh, that are there, that are that that recognize that they're struggling. Walk us through uh, what was that point where it's just like you know what I need to get help. Like what did it take for you to finally get to that point? Because I know there are people that are that are on the edge. They're just like I need to do something or something bad's going to happen. Where just walk us through how, what it took for you to finally find help. Go to a therapist. How, where what point did it take for you to get there? I'll jump in right quick because I think I might be the, I'm the newest one on it. Go ahead. But um, newbie, I was <laughs> I was going so hard in the pain for the church during this pandemic, 
No one knew what was going on. We tried all different types of things, man. And um, maybe a couple of weeks ago, my wife hit me with, uh, I, said, I said to her, I said, let's, let's open the Sabbath. And she says, no thanks. I want to continue opening the Sabbath by myself. Mercy. Wow. And that joint slapped me. That joint slapped me. Um, and I knew at that time, if I don't get any help, I'm, I'm going to lose everything I love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She said, I'd rather open the Sabbath by myself like I've been. And that to me um, was my, my world shook because I thought the things I were doing was for my wife. Then she began to give me, you know, as I began to look back, you know, we've been in this pandemic for 16 months. I've probably taken three Sabbaths off in 16 months. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys are all full-time, I'm part-time, so I should not be taking on all of this. Mm -hmm. But I stepped up in places where I felt needed to be stepped up in the church. Mm -hmm. um, I stepped up with, from technology to mm -hmm. spending nights and days and come to, I mean, everything we need to do um, and when she said that, I said, oh, okay, that's it, you know? Um, so that was kind of what kind of got me there. There was a number of different red flags before that I just kind of, you know, when you go to church again, she wouldn't, she wouldn't say anything, she would just throw those things out. And I wasn't catching them. I'm like, nope, ain't catching that, you know? And when she said that to me, I said, man, I gotta make a change. And so for me, that was kind of, the, the, the pushing point of if you don't get some help, you know, because for Jason Valadie, why, why I was doing this wasn't for souls. Yeah. Um, wasn't, man. Yeah. Because I had some members say, yo, go home. I kind of like the way that felt. Like, I mean, I'm here all day. You see me, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't forget about, I had a couple ladies a couple weeks before that said, don't forget about your wife. My God, she good. She get it. She a PK. She know what time it is. Mm. Wow. wow, man. Wow. Uh, you know, Goodness. mine resonates because my, you know, I, I think the straw that broke the camel's back was because mine. What forced me to say I need to go talk to someone. You know, we had the pandemic because uh, I think I really had COVID the first time. Like I, you know, like I was just out of it. Then George Floyd hit. And then it was my student that passed away. And I think at that moment, my wife came in there and she was just like, what's wrong? There will be, it will be a couple of days I would just be laying in the bed, just not doing anything. And, you know, I was just like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I couldn't put into words how I was feeling. It was to a point where I like, I knew I was depressed. I knew I was just blaming myself and I didn't know how to have control all of these feelings. I was angry, I was mad, I was sad. I, 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 my emotions were all over this place, but I had no energy to do anything. And, you know, I, re, I reached out to Myron and he told me, go, go talk to somebody. And that's when I went to go talk to somebody and that first time there, Man, I started crying in there. Mm -hmm. I, I literally started crying because I didn't know how to put into words 
because I felt like I was losing at everything in life. Mm -hmm. I felt like as a pastor, I was losing. I felt out as a husband, as a father, I was losing. And, you know, there were times I'm just like, God, I'd be okay if you take me right now. Mm -hmm. Because I just, it's almost like Elijah. When Elijah says, look, man, I've done this, I've done that, you know, but I'm the only one left. Mm -hmm. I literally had like, I've done all this, God, and you know, I was just, I was just drained. It was just like, and I'm still losing. When am I gonna have my breakthrough? And when I hit that, and my wife was just in there like, you need to go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's when, that was like the motivating thing for me. It was just like, all right, I done heard it from two people. And the most, the most important person mm -hmm. already has validated it. So let me, let me go. And that's been a blessing. And I'm nowhere near where I used to be, but I'm a lot better. <laughs> well, no. yeah. And and I can I can see the progress, but I'm not trying to. And, and, and this is something I always want to explain. I'm not trying to make an instant change because I want real change. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to say oh, I'm, I'm all this way and I've done all that. No, I still struggle as a husband. I'm still struggling as a father, still struggling as a pastor, but I'm better. Mm. And I can tell I'm better here. Mm. Now I still I still have some anxiety. I still have some issues and everything, but I know how to handle it. Right. And that's that's the that's the best thing about it now. Yeah. It's just knowing how to deal with it. And I'm open with my wife about it now. I talk to her when I'm struggling about mm. it. Yeah. And that's why I say that I think that's why God gave us Eve, because mm. we needed that helper, that helpmate. Mm. That's going to be my defender. That's going to be my backbone to help me out in this situation. And that's the that's the best thing is just keeping those lines of communication open. Yeah. So for me, it was a very difficult district. That district that you feel like you're constantly fighting in, and you the more hours you put in, the less the less the, the less you feel like it's it's working, and. It got to the point where my coping mechanism was I would come home and I would just play video games. Because mm -hmm. I just needed to de-stress. I wanted to go shoot some space aliens in the face. Mm -hmm. And that, that, was, that was like my de-stressing mechanism. And it got me into, because I wasn't really much of a gamer. And so um, it was a friend that had recommended this game that I should pick up. And so I started playing it and I, and I got addicted, quite honestly. Um, but I got really involved in the gaming culture. And... The more I met people online, the more I play with different people, the more that we, we had conversations and stuff like, they were very open about mental health. Mm -hmm. They were open about the struggles with mental yeah. health. They talked about mental health. I'd never heard this kind of stuff before. I'd always sit there, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you're not praying hard enough. Anytime that I would even mention something about this being discouraged. And finally, it was a friend of mine who was very similar to me in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Our kids, we, have, we both have two daughters. Our daughters are very similar in ages. We are both military veterans. We both were the same age. I mean, just about every since we had so many things in common, he opened up that, you know, he, he got hospitalized because, because of it. And he said, I said, if you're struggling, if you're struggling, tell somebody. I've been married for 10 years and I've lied to my kids. I've lied to my wife. I've lied to my churches because I've also, get, I've also got a real bad migraines. And so there's a lot of times when I would say, Oh, what's wrong? Oh, I've got a migraine. Because I, I never could lie. I can never say, I, I, I've never been a person that can say I'm fine when I'm not fine. Mm. Unless it's just like a really big rush and it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right today. Mm. Um, but I would use the migraine excuse because, you know, migraines are debilitating. Mm. 
and they can knock you out. And I, I mean, I've, I, I will legitimately get migraines that will last for days where I have to go in and get shots mm. to get off of it. And I just couldn't get out of bed. Mercy. And so I had a fallback to go to. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I said, I, I can't lie, but I lied. You know, I would lie and sit there and say, I've got a bit, I've got, oh, I've just got a migraine. When anybody, cause you can, they can, you can see that countenance. Yeah. And finally it was through the gaming community that I got the courage to sit down and tell my wife that I was struggling. And she's like, I, I don't know what you're going through. I've never had a migraine. I've never been depressed, but I'm here. Mm. And then she started praying for me and she started telling me that she was praying for me and she was checking on me constantly. And, and then it came to a head somewhat when Robin Williams committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like my first, like I hadn't quite told my wife at this point yet, but it was that idea of somebody that this was the funny guy, right? Yeah. Like, and that's my defense mechanism for against depression is, is, is common. I consider myself a funny, a funny guy. Yeah. I like to make people laugh. That's how I combat my, my depression is, is if I can make somebody else laugh, I can vicariously live, live through their laughter. Yeah. Right. And then, and then a few years after that, there was the pastor of a large church that committed suicide. Yeah, I remember Kelly. Yeah, I remember that. And when that happened, I had just told my wife that week that I was struggling with depression. And I sat down and said, I don't want to leave you a widow and my kids and or kids without a father. Wow. Yeah. Because I am too scared to get the attention, the medical attention I need. This I believe this is a medical problem. And that's when I went. There were some other issues that were compounding. There was some people I opened up to that were very negative toward me that sent me into a, probably one of the deepest depressions I'd had since I was in high school. Nice. I had two suicide attempts in high school. So this is something that I've been chronically dealing with for years and years and years and years. And I started feeling myself going down that, going down that very dark tunnel that I didn't see a way out. And so I went and talked to the conference. Went and talked to my ministerial director. And again, they got me into therapy. So within three therapy sessions, I opened up about suicidal ideations. And he said, you need to go to the hospital now. And I said, I'm good. I'll make it. He says, no, you need to go to the hospital now. I said, no, I'm good. I'm making it. Go get your wife right now. I want her, your wife on this call too. Because we did, we were doing it through video conferencing. Um, it was just because he's in Nashville. And, you know, it was before COVID or any of that kind of stuff. And he's like, explain to your wife what you just told me. Because I had already had planned. I'm a pastor. Yeah. I'm a leader of people. Yeah. And I was sitting there saying, God, I'm just, I'm just ready to be done. I'm just ready to be done. And so when I told her and I saw her eyes fill with tears, I'm like, okay, I'll go. Because I saw the pain. My pain was, not my pain was causing her. My pain causes her pain, but it was my stubbornness yeah. that was causing her pain. And it was because I always had to pull myself up, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so when we went, I went to a hospital and I went to a psych ward and I had one of the worst experiences of my entire life. And the part that made it the worst <laughs> is the orderly that processed me in when he asked what my job was. And I said, a pastor, it's like, oh, you're going to be, it's going to be good for you to be in here. So these people really need help. Mm. Wow. And I was expected by that orderly told the other orderlies, and they started sending patients to me for guidance, hmm. for, pa for pastoral counseling. And I was at the point, I'm just like, I'm done. Yeah. 
I locked myself in my room. I didn't go to any of the group activity. I didn't go to any of the group therapies. They put me on medication. And then finally, when I got out, my doctor or my therapist sat there and said, you need to be on, you need to be medicated. I mean, you are severely clinically depressed. You need to be monitored. And I was meeting with him. And so finally got in. It took me months to see a, a, a psychiatrist months to get an appointment because VA and because mm-hmm. I just couldn't because the conference was paying for the therapy they weren't paying for all the other all the other sure. things and so trying to get into that one and then I finally got put on medication and for the first time in my life I didn't loathe myself mm-hmm. that I could remember yeah and again we're Adventist right you tell somebody you got some kind of medical problem what do they do you get the Adventist witch doctors come out and they, right. they've got this activated charcoal patch this and I'm not against health stuff don't get me wrong I'm not against but, but, but they, it's something it's like all this kind of stuff and all these different things well this will help this make sure you go out and doing this and are you are you living by the eight ha- law, laws of health I'm like yes 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 and but I finally when I started doing that and I was on I was on the meds for about about two years and I finally got to a point where between the meds balancing me out chemically mm-hmm. because it's, it's it, mental health it can be a disease yeah. a mental illness can be a, a, an actual disease you, yeah. you know you, don't, you you get cancer you don't sit there and say pray harder yeah right you don't go tell you as a pastor you don't go tell a cancer patient pray harder and then so i, I was taking the I'm medicine sorry, no <laughs> anyway I'm sorry. I'm yeah sorry. well you're being tri- being real because it's, because of the stigma though yeah, right there's a stigma. because of the stigma and then when i when, when with that one between that and then getting the tools, and, and the most useful tool that my you know you sit there and said your your, your therapist went to the three year old you right mm-hmm. most helpful tool that I got was learning how emotions are processed mm-hmm. thoughts become feelings feelings become actions action become character mm-hmm. right and I had to attack the thoughts mm-hmm. because once I started thinking those thoughts if I didn't stop them there they turned to feelings and then once I get to the feelings parts. That's when the actions, and that's the, and that's where my addiction issues come from. For sure, you know this is this is where I try to drown drown it with a bottle. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is where I try to, uh, you know, I, I try to do it with pills. Yeah. I try to I try to do it with various different acids, mm-hmm. and I couldn't and I couldn't do it. I couldn't handle it, and so I finally needed to have that. Um, all those things kind of fall into place, mm-hmm. and I'm still not there. Yeah, but I'm. So much better than I was. Yeah. yeah. So much better than I was. Yeah. And you know, you, you talked about um, um, what helped bring you out. And I remember um, there was a book that I read. Let me, um, it, it, was, uh, it was about Enneagrams. Y'all know anything about Enneagrams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read a book about Enneagrams and it kind of helped me identify mm-hmm. some of my triggers and uh, who, who I was and about what I was going through. It was, it's called uh, The Road Back to You. By Ian Morgan Cron, mm-hmm. and it helped me identify my number. I'm an eight, mm-hmm. and when it, when I read it, I said, "Man, this is me. Yeah. This is me." And I had to realize that you know, the things that I wanted most was just more about me trying to figure out that I I was enough. Mm-hmm. That was that's one of my things that it, it, it identified. It says you got to realize that you are enough. And I was always out there trying to overprove and mm-hmm. do this and do that. Yeah. When I just had to realize that I have this place, I don't have to make changes or change the world. Just change you, mm. and that is enough. Yeah. 
And when I saw that, it helped me with with more triggers. It helped me to understand that sometimes I'm not depressed. I'm just melancholy. Melancholy, melancholy is my demeanor. So it's I'm not not just I just look at things that way. And what also helped me is just like realizing I'm not the only one that feels like this. And that book, it 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 brought a whole new uh, way of thinking for me. And so now I I read on that or I listen to it more, just understanding so I can know my triggers, knowing how I process these thoughts. And, you know, and I I, I tell anybody this, start a journal, do a daily journal so you'll know your triggers, know what you're going through, what you're experiencing. Uh, That that's going to help you talk to someone. Uh, Go seek therapy. Don't Mm. think that you can always figure this out by Mm. yourself. Yeah. Uh, those are the three main things yeah. that, that I, I, I can do because what I'm this is another shameless plug I'm working on another book but it's called Memoirs of a Dying Man mm. all they are are my poems that I wrote when I was depressed melancholy when I was trying to find acceptance mm. trying to find love yeah. wow. and this but this is what I was thinking because I had thoughts of just dying. I wanted to be dead. I, I, I thought I was better off dead because I was a drain to the world or to the people that loved me. Yeah. So I just want to end it. So even at, and these poems were and it coincides with my my spiritual journey when God was really trying to get to me mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was living in Atlanta. So I'm thinking about death and suicide and dying. And when I look back at it, this one, the devil was attacking me the hardest mm. because he knew where I could be. Yeah. Because if, I'm, if, if I had took my life then, I wouldn't be here to be able to say, I got something to come out that's yeah. gonna help someone else going yeah. forward. Yeah. And that's why I say journal this stuff, write it in poems, whatever it is, because just think about if, if the, the, the writers of the Bibles didn't write their yeah. story, right. their right. testimony. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, you said uh, journaling. My, my therapist told me to do that, so I started. <laughs> yeah. But I started to journal in the third person, just in case anybody ever reads it. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's like, brother, stop that, man. So go ahead and put your name on there. Yeah. Everybody knows you're writing anyway. You can barely read it. But, you know, I, I agree with you. And that has helped me in the last two weeks I've been journaling, yeah. just looking back on days, times, um, of, of, of feeling good and then there's a couple of days I'm like you know just questioning and some stuff like that but that that journaling is definitely something I'm a two on the Enneagram test and so that is like yeah. people yeah. pleasing mm-hmm. all that yeah. stuff you know what I'm saying yeah. um, and well, so it kind of helps with who I am going yeah. well we, we, we do have to wrap up I'll yeah. wrap up but I do want to make a comment on that one don't beat yourself up when you're not utilizing the tools the way that you're supposed to. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I struggled a lot with that in the first part of my th- therapy when I missed my days journaling. Yeah. Thank and you. I would I would beat myself up and I would start sending myself into a, into a depressive state mm. trying to utilize the tools to get me out of a depressive state. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. don't yeah. beat yourself up yeah. Thank you for, that. For, yeah. the, for, for missing that. I mean, yeah. it's a very important to do that, but don't beat yourself up when you don't do it the way that you think you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for, for sharing your stories. Uh, as we wrap up, um, I just would like to hear from each of you, uh, what would you say right now to someone that's that's struggling, um, like you're struggling? What would you tell them in this moment? Let's say someone that's listening to this right now is just like, I really needed to hear this podcast. What would be 
something that you could say to them right now? We'll go with Demars and we'll go uh, down um, and then and then we'll close. What would you say to that person right now? Mine's a simple man. You are not alone. Mm. Yeah. You are not alone. Amen. Get the help. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Uh, mine is, you know, you gonna take you took mine, so I'm gonna venture just a little bit left <laughs> for you. Uh, now you're good. That just means the spirit is moving. Um, it, mine is it's going to just go back to knowing who you are or who you whose you are. Mm. Um, I got a shirt on right now it says created for his glory. I had this shirt printed about five years ago. Mm. Who knew what I was going to be having it on today for this conversation? I wasn't even going to wear it. Mm. <laughs> but I think when you're talking about mental health, if you know that you're not alone, you need to know whose you are. Mm. And that goes back to that identity, knowing who you are, that you're created for his glory. Amen. So if you know who you are and you're created for his glory, that's going to help you just mm -hmm. going forward to getting some help. And there's no shame in getting help. Yeah. To understand that God can use you better alive than dead. Because mm -hmm. how many times in Scripture did he use dead folks? Mm -hmm. Come on. A few times mm -hmm. he did. But more times for that. But more times than not, you're, you're more valuable to God, to your family, and to others alive than you are dead. And, 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 that's, man, that, and that's the lie the devil yes. tries to put in your head. That's the lie that says, hey, you know, they're not going to miss you. Mm -hmm. They're not going to miss you. It's a good word right Amen. Now. Amen. Hey, before we close with prayer, uh, Damaris, uh, Brian, if you guys uh, want to plug uh, some things like what you tell, you know, for example, Brian is he's a he's an artist. You want to plug anything there for our viewers and listeners that you want to share with them? Yeah. Well, I think Brian's already plugged everything he's been doing. And <laughs> let's just be clear. He's Brian's plugged from five years ago to now. He's been plugging. <laughs> well, you no, gotta let him know. Yeah, you gotta let him know. For me, I still have the uh, ministry safe space. Um, every other Friday night, we took a little sabbatical while I was getting myself together. So we'll be coming back uh, fresh with some new um, new episodes in July. So look forward to that as well as we are going back into our church uh, June 19th at the Riverside Chapel in Nashville. We'd love to see you there, but you got to register first. All right. All right. And we'll put all that in the show notes. Um, this may actually release after those dates, but we'll put all that in the show notes as well as in the uh, description below on, on the yeah. YouTube video. Absolutely. So thank you guys. Hey, thank you guys. Uh, Demars, can you close with the prayer? I think Brian was actually going to move. Yeah, I was going to say brianherbert.com. Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> got a book, Moment of Clarity. It actually, my book, Moment of Clarity, I have out actually talks about my journey. And it doesn't necessarily talk about mental health, but it's mental health all in there. So. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so check out their stuff, guys. Yeah. Uh, close us with prayer. Heavenly Father, we pause this moment to give you all the honor and the glory. We realize that if it had not been for you, where would we be? Mm. Lord, today, as we talked about this topic, God, we ask that you allow the words that came out of our mouth be the words that someone needs to get the help that they need, Lord. Your word says that if we put you first, it will not come back void. So, God, we thank you that we allow people to know that you're not alone. We thank you for reminding us that whose you are matters and, and get the help. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.